Welcome to Council of Citizens with Low Vision, and tonight's call is going to be about emergency preparedness. I thought it was important, especially this time of the year, that we all get together and discuss emergency preparedness, especially we got flooding, storms going on right now, and, and it's just something we should all be prepared for at any time. An emergency is basically anything that throws you out of your normal pattern. We need to be prepared to take care of ourselves, have things set up so that we know that we are have things set, ready to go. What are some suggestions? What are some items that you suggest people have ready for a storm before a storm starts? What do you suggest they have in the bag or first aid kit? Well, this isn't just about storms. It's about anything. Um, out, out where Tom lives, I'm, I'm sure, you know, or, or out in California, you got your flooding, you got fires. Um, and be prepared for an emergency at any time. Um, have a go kit ready to go. Uh, uh, one, have all your medications written down. Have that with you all the time. Or have it in a in a duffel bag or a backpack or something that you have ready to go that you can grab and take with you in, in a moment's notice. Um, something you might include in this is, is a portable radio. Have extra batteries. Um, have a week's worth of medication available. Um, what you can do is most people set up a daily med- medicine, you know, in the daily planner things uh, where they put their pills in each day, what they got to do. Do that yeah. a week or two at a time. Set up two sections. Have one in your backpack ready to go. Use one. When the one that you use runs out, reload it. Take the one out of your backpack. Use it. Put the one that you just reloaded in there. That way you're rotating. Your medicine's not getting old, but you're ready to go. If you have a uh, service animal, a guide dog, make sure you have stuff available for that individual also. Um, a week's worth of dog food or have access to dog food. Um, there's just all kinds of things you can do to be prepared. Um, I guess the biggest thing... You know, you brought up storms. Um, Everybody, no matter where you are at, should have an all-hazards radio. That's that's the old weather radios. They're now Mm -hmm. the weather radio, all-hazard radios. Um, They can be activated for severe weather. Local emergencies, if you have a boil order for water or, uh, you know, there's a hazmat issue. Can I interview? This is Renee in Ohio. I have a question because one of my concerns when I saw this um, discussion on um, being prepared for emergencies, we made me think about emergency alerts and the fact that they are not necessarily accessible to people who are blind or have low vision. So this this radio you're talking about, is this something that will fill in that gap? That is the That is, okay, any time that there's a warning weather-related issue, that comes directly from the National Weather Service. They are the ones that issue the warnings, not your local television channels. So mm-hmm. these, these radios are tone-activated and they're voiced. Um, they have a either a digital voice that reads it or a staff member that reads the watches, warnings, advisories, whatever might be going on that they alert that radio for. So, yeah, and you'll always understand it, or always be able to hear it. What is that radio called again? Could I offer a suggestion on that? This is Tanya in Kentucky. I just took a course with uh, Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired on just the subject. And they recommended um, NOAA, N-O-A-A, 
They have a radio with large buttons that is very easy to use if you have low vision. And you can get them on Amazon. Very, very simple. Just very easy to use. So now that's good if I'm at home. (laughs) Now, if I'm out somewhere and everybody's getting alerts, um, they aren't necessarily going to work for me on my phone, you know. I, I This is a big concern for me, the, the fact that, that alerts are not accessible to people who are blind or low vision. You know, the one that they sent out there by cell phone last October was not accessible, and and I they don't come across my cable TV as being accessible, and... Um, even though they're supposed to be, they, no one really is slapping anybody's hand for not doing what they're supposed to do, any of the cable companies. So this radio will work great in the house. That solves that problem. I don't still know what the solution to my problem is if I'm out and about and it's something going wrong. Excuse me. This is Bernice. And um, uh, you have a cell phone when you're out and about? Yes. Okay, I don't know if you knew uh, it was uh, early February that the uh, U.S. government put out the alert. Uh, Every cell phone will get it, no matter what. And we have two cell phones in this house, and we hood the beep on one and a few seconds later on the other one. Uh, That has been set up on the national level. But it doesn't read text. But you hear a beep, but it it doesn't give you any message? Any yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, yeah. It said that that was the. Uh, it told us that that's what that was coming through. When did you get that? In February? I think it was in early February. I'm not sure, but oh, okay, uh, Trump did it. Trump did last it. October, that was, that last was October. Last October, they did that test, and it did not give you any signal. And I actually responded to um, the. Uh, they gave a survey out. I don't know how I ended up with but I responded and let them know that it did not work, that it was not well, accessible back I didn't know about anything in October. Ours was this year, like the one that we heard. Maybe they fixed it. You but never received it. I, mm-hmm. I didn't receive that test in February, though, so I'll, I'll be interested to see if that works. I hope so. I do have a cell phone with me, mm-hmm. um, so I hope that because you got it and it worked, maybe, maybe they fixed the problem. They do make portable radios that you can clip on your belt and carry with you, the NOAA radios also. Okay. And aren't those radios that you're supposed to, to, to um, they don't take a battery, you, you wind them? There, there's several different types. You can, they take batteries. Uh, the survival radios are the ones that you have to wind. They have the radio, mm-hmm. they have the uh, uh, flashlight on them. Uh, just different AM, FM broadcasts on them also. Mm-hmm. But the, so, so with no, that being so, go ahead. The NOAA radio, the National Weather Service radios, are just, that's it. They, they, they're only for weather and emergency alerting. Okay. So is that the one you suggest people get? That's the one that everybody should have is the NOAA weather radio. Okay. Or there's sometimes they're called the NOAA weather all hazards radios. Okay. I appreciate that. I mean, you could probably get them from, there's another place that does radio too. But I don't know if they sell them. Speed cleaned. You can, you can get them be... most any place. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, Robert, roughly how much would they cost? They yeah. cost anywhere from... Twenty to fifty dollars, depending on what you want. Okay. Sometimes they will give them away. Also, you know, some of your preparedness places will give them away during, a, oh, like weather week or whatever. Okay. Thank you. And and, and there's a store in Northern California. He, he's a blind guy. He sells lots of radios, all kinds of radios. You know what the name of that place is? That's what I'm trying to come up with. Um, I'll get back to you on that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> Most of your uh, pharmacies, they'll carry weather radios, um, supermarkets. <clears throat> Most stores, uh, the bigger stores have them. 
Best Buy obviously would have them. Oh, yeah. They would have them for sure. They sell all that electronic stuff. Yep. Um, but here's, here's a, an example of, uh, in 2008, the Midwest had their record flood. Mm-hmm. I live in a community of approximately 5,500 people. Our, lo- our river was flooding. Um, oh, going up. Our record flood prior to 2008 was 19.4 feet. The record flood in 2008 was 24.7. Wow. Um, now, this flood was impacting approximately 200, maybe 250 people, meaning that they had water around their home. They couldn't get in and out. They were being housed in a shelter. Mm-hmm. But remember, 250 people. Within 30 seconds, 30 seconds, it went from 250 to 5,500 5, people. What happened was our community, we generate our own power. What happened was the floodwaters broke through the floor of the generating station, flooded the switches, and instantly took the town out of out of power. So for three days, they had no power. We wow. had no power at all. Fifty-five hundred people were impacted by that flood. So <laughs> it, it can go. That's that a lot quick. of people, and a lot of people lose power too. Oh yeah, and, and we. <laughs> We scrambled. We got generators brought in. I'm sure, to yeah. Ru- to run the town, but people, we had to restrict people what they could do. You couldn't run your air conditioning. Um, oh, gee. That you must had- when it's like that. Jeez. Oh, yeah, because the temperatures were, you know, it was up in the 90s, and oh, it man. was very hot. But people couldn't run their air conditioning, so it was... Um, Really, a challenge. So, it, people have to be prepared for anything. It, one thing I would suggest is if, well, one, know what's going to impact you in your area most routinely. Here in the Midwest, weather. Weather's our biggest deal. So, when you've got a storm shelter, Several cases of water in that storm shelter. No, yeah, uh, but, oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I would suggest people get that ahead of time because people go crazy anytime there's a storm in the store. The stores sell out of water like crazy. Oh, yeah, you should. I would suggest, especially if you have a service animal, have six, eight cases of water in that shelter or in in your place in a storage area. Use that water routinely. In other words, just like your medication issue that I that I said, you know, have uh, two things ready. Right. But use that water. Rotate water out of that stock and replace it so that your water never goes bad. Well, water wouldn't go bad. It's the bottling that it's in that goes bad. But right. Oh yeah. So you know. And remember, that water that you're using, the reason I say six, eight cases or more, you're going to use that water for drinking. You're going to use that water for preparing your food. Yeah. Now, something that a lot of people do, too, and they don't think about this a lot of places, is you get done with your milk, wash out that jug really good, fill it full of water, and set it aside in a storage area where you got your water or whatever. Use that mm-hmm. for, like, flushing your toilets and, and washing your dishes. Um, that way, you're not using your drinkable water for other stuff. Um, you know, you, you limit your activities, you know, put eight or ten of those gallons of water aside. Um, I, I've always heard, you know, a lot of people, oh, when it's going to go bad, Fill your bathtub with water. Well, you know what? That that's not such a good idea either. 
No, um, that, that could overflow, too. You don't want that. Well, that, and it can get contaminants. You know, you no. don't know if the storm's going to... You don't know what the storm's going to If the water's already been contaminated, you don't know. Right. You don't know. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, okay. The, to... Go ahead, Bernice. Okay, the company I wanted to tell you about, it's called C. Crane, the letter C, and then C-R-A-N-E. They are in Fortuna, California, and they, their toll-free number is 800-522-8863. Okay. If it gets to the point where you're asked to evacuate or, or move to a shelter, um, and you got a service animal, it, it is tough. Yes, they have to take your service animal with you, but just like you, that animal is going to get nervous, get upset. If that animal should get aggressive, um, and, and they feel that it's endangering or, or putting the people around you in danger, they will remove your animal. Just, just remember that. Keep the animal calm, too. But they'll probably, you know, take you to a different shelter or, or something like that. But, but just, just remember, they're there. They don't know what your needs are. That shelter is just set up for people to come in who need to get... Right. So you need to take care of yourself um, as far as getting everything ready, being prepared. There's so much stuff that that we can do to be prepared that we don't think about. That's probably true, yeah. I mean, here you think you're probably prepared in all these storms, and then you're like, you know, I mean, you can be prepared, but, you know, there's a lot to do. Yeah. Robert, Robert this is Tom. Uh if I may, I'll, I'll kind of throw a tidbit in here to help you out. Those of us that live in, say, the northern tier of states where winter is a real issue, uh, we always carry, especially in the wintertime, a lot of us just leave them in all year round. We have a special tub that we carry in the back of our rig, and, and uh, it's got blankets in it. It's got stocking caps. It's got mittens and gloves. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, candles. It's got uh, Hershey bars to eat, uh, things like that. And uh, in the winter especially, I always throw a, a short-handled shovel in the back of the rig. And, and uh, it's just kind of a winter survival uh, uh, gear. And uh, it's amazing how many people actually use that stuff. If you get started stuck in a North Dakota blizzard or... A Montana blizzard or something like that, uh, you wish you had something like that with you. And my wife and I, if we know we're going to be out on the road a, a bit in the in the wintertime, we always throw a five-gallon, uh, you know what these plastic five-gallon uh, jerry cans look like? They have blue ones, and they're designated to be used for water only. And uh, we always throw one of those in the back of our rig, and, and so we have some drinking water with us uh, in case we get stranded. So, What do you do at home? At what? I don't understand the question, Robert. At home, you know, you and I... Where are you at now? Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying we know what the winters can do. We can lose power in an instant if there's big storms going on, winter. And during the winter... Much takes much longer for the crews to get out and fix that kind of damage than it does during the summer. So we could be a lot of places, you know, a week without power. So what do you do? What should you have set up for for that? Um, there again, that's where your water can come in, like I was saying. Tom mentioned, you know, he, he carries water. Well, we, to answer your question, we live in an all-electric home, which we don't like, but it is all-electric. I have a Honda generator that I can, I've got a plug-in on the back of the house where I can run it into the system, and so that power goes to whatever's on, and basically we don't turn any lights on. 
uh, we basically make sure that, that that electricity from the generator is being used for the refrigerator and for the freezer. You know, those are the two most important things. And then we'll turn one heater on in the living room and turn all the rest of them in the house off. And so the power just goes to what's on in the house. And if I run out of gas for the generator, I simply go across the street to my neighbor's house, which has a really big generator that's run on natural gas. And we, we've already told them we're moving in with them. <laughs> there you go. you got an alternate plan. We should all have yeah, plans like that. He's got one of those automatic generator systems that, you know, it kicks on when the electricity goes off, and it's a real it's a real nice outfit, but it's big enough to power the whole house if they want to, you know. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's good you have a backup plan, Tom. Yeah, we just we just have a small little Honda one that's just uh, just enough for us, and uh, we're because it's a generational thing, I believe, because I know young people don't believe in this, we always, you know, have a lot of food ahead, especially going into the winter time. You know, mm-hmm. we buy extra food when it's on sale and make sure we have a full pantry. And so mm-hmm. we have food at home so we don't have to go out. So. How do you prepare that food? In other words, what do you use to... <laughs> the barbecue. The, oh. Gas? Yeah, we got a gas barbecue, you know, with a propane bottle on it on the back porch, and we just we cook out there if we have to. Okay, I'm glad to hear you do it outside. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised oh. at the people that don't do that. No, I, I know there's people that do that, but no, the barbecue's on the back porch. There yeah. you go. I mean, um, you would you think could... people would, would do that outside, but I guess a lot of people, I don't but, know. A lot of people just don't think about it. They're they're more worried about, hey, I got to I got to eat, so I can just set this up in the oh, corner yeah, of my living so. room. There's, I've heard of people actually lighting a hibachi in in on the inside of their house and wonder why they have a problem. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can get survival packages of of food, uh, meals ready to eat. Yeah, um, we do those. Yes, yeah, and those nowadays are pretty darn good. Um, you can get those, and, and they last quite a while. Um, 25 years. Yeah, and, and they come with everything. They got the little sterno, uh, sterno pack in there so that you can cook it. Um, right. It, it's, it's just all compact. Yeah. So if, you, if you live in an area where that kind of stuff might be needed, that, that would be good, too. In 2008, was, we didn't have grocery stores because they couldn't couldn't use their cash registers. They couldn't sell gas. For three days, there was no gas in this town. What time is it? So, <laughs> I don't know. We, we just... Well, we've got... used to have, but we don't in this... In our, in our old house, we had a wood-burning stove. And we would heat part of the house with that wood-burning stove, and I'd heat my shop with a wood-burning stove. So... On the wood-burning stove, you're not only staying warm, but you got something you can cook your food with. And uh, the big trick there is, of course, when you get to be a senior citizen, just make sure you have enough. It's great to have a stove, but you got to have enough wood to put in the stove. So that's for sure. When you come to you want to make sure you've got a supply of wood over and above what you would normally use. Because if you got to stay indoors for a while and you can't get out. You're going to need to be running that stove 24-7. Yep. How, how many people have a plan in case they do have to leave their home to go someplace? Like the people who live along the coast um, with the hurricane. It's, it's a good idea to make arrangements in advance. Uh, with a family member or a friend, hey, if the storms come in the, if, if we have storms during the summer and it's going to impact me, can I come visit you? you? You understand what I'm saying? It's good to have something like that in place and do it. When the, when the officials say, hey, this is a dangerous storm, 
get out while you can. You better get out because... It's best to get to higher ground, too. Well, yeah, and plus, there's so many people who stay that if you need help, they're not going to be able to get to you because a lot of the the emergency services pull their equipment out. They don't respond after the winds get 40-mile-an-hour sustained winds. So it's probably a good... Can I add something real quick, Robert? Yes. I think that was thing to do with tie loose ends, too, if you got stuff that's up like tent, tents and stuff. Otherwise, that's going to fly away, too. I mean, I mean, those winds, they can they can come in pretty quickly where they can't control the thing you're trying to take down. So it's best to take the stuff down ahead of time if you know when there's a bad storm coming. Right. How many people pay attention to their weather, um, severe weather? What do you do? What do you do in Kentucky when you just get this feeling, today it's going to be a bad day? What do you do? Uh, well, we make sure that, um, especially, we've, we've actually had a tornado watch already this year, and uh, we made sure we had pillows, blankets, because uh, we don't currently have a storm shelter yet, and we live in a manufactured home. So we have emergency backpacks ready to go at a moment's notice with everything we might need for the first 24 hours. Um, we also have pillows and blankets accessible in case we have to run across the road and get in the ditch because that's the safest place that we can't stay in our home, and we know that. So, um, and I, I, am, I have really good color vision, uh, even though I don't have really good vision in general, uh, color-wise, I can see very well. And so I am constantly looking out the windows, watching the skies, and uh, listening for the emergency alerts to go off. So that's how we handle it. Um, I would recommend a lot of people handle it that way. Okay, this is Renee. I um, actually was in a, a tornado, thankfully not one that was horrible, although it did take a couple of blanks off a tree and ruin my roof. The house had to be replaced. But I was home by myself. And uh, my husband was on the road, and my son was gone to a place where actually he was safe. It was an uh, industrial park, so it was all cement block buildings. Um, but I was home by myself, and they had the uh, before the alarm went off. I could, I do have some vision, and I could see the color of the sky. And um, I mean, I just went down in the basement um, and took, you know, had a radio with me and flashlight and stuff, but. This is one reason why this, you know, really concerns me, because if I'm by myself, you know, you know, I'm, knowing that I can have that radio now is very helpful. But if I'm by myself, you know, it's not like I'm going to pop in my car and drive away somewhere <laughs> because I'm not. It's like I can't drive. So, um, you know, what to do when some of these things happen is, is really important. And I have had family members that have lived through a tornado that tore the house down, you know, and and threw my grandmother through the house out into the backyard. So I, I, I know it can happen, you know, and I, and it is, you know, being prepared for these things is really important to me. Um, but, yeah, the radio is, is definitely a big help. But it, it is something to think about. And, and just having this conversation now makes me think more that there's still things I need to do that I haven't been doing yet to be ready, having the backpack and the water and everything ready for stuff. Is important, but I do have a question. You know, if you're by yourself, um, does anyone, do any local municipalities keep note of people who maybe can't get around on their own necessarily? It's not like you know, I can call a public transportation or Uber to come get me necessarily at the last minute. You know, when everybody's trying to get out. You know, is there any like registry that some places have? We, I work. The agency I work for, which is Benton County Emergency Management, we have a registration, yes. Um, I believe they're supposed to, most of them are supposed to have a, a registration for that type of thing. Um, I would contact your local emergency management and see if they have a registration. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, Renee, what happens with that register? We have one tier two in our county, Robert, 
what Renee, what happens is, if you have an emergency come true, the dispatcher will call you. You're, you're on an automatic call list. They will call you and see if you're in your home, and if you are, they'll talk to you, and the da 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 You don't have to call them. They'll be contacting you. That's the, that's the beauty of that list. Okay. And if they can contact you, they will send they will send somebody, usually a policeman or a sheriff, to your home. See? Okay. All right, thanks. Hi, this is Lynn. Uh, one of the things that we do out here, and it's by the, um, the neighborhood, actually, is that the neighbors get together and they find out if there are people that need help. And it's not the entire neighborhood. You know, I'm not talking, you know, hundreds of people, but maybe mm-hmm. um, like a dozen houses, you know, close by. And they know that, oh, so-and-so is on dialysis, so, you know, they need help. Or somebody, in, like in our case, is visually impaired and they might need help. Because in an emergency, you may not be able to get to your phone. You may be under something. If there's an earthquake, it falls on you. But at least they know that you're there. And they would be able to, you know, multiple people would be able to help tell, um, uh, rescue that, hey, we're not accounting, you know, we don't have everybody accounted for. So, um, but that's a neighborhood type thing that can also, you can also use. Yep. That's right. Um, it's always good. I like, you know, a lot of stuff I'm hearing on here. You guys have got the right idea. You're, uh, you are making preparations for yourself. Um, you're watching out for your neighbors. And, and just, you know, one thing is, you know, those of us who live here in the Midwest, we get the tornadoes, the severe weather. I would suggest make it a routine as the first thing of the morning, get up. Um, once you get this weather radio or you go on the Internet and go to weather.gov and you can find your local weather service, every morning, approximately 4.30 in the morning, they issue a product called Significant Weather Outlook or uh, you know, Hazardous Weather Outlook. And they will tell you in that what they're expecting for that day, whether there's going to be chance of storms, if weather spotters are going to be needed. Um, it's a very good habit to get into because it's one way to keep up. Um, keep your, you know, keep your focus, hey, Today we're going to have severe weather, possibly have severe weather. Um, so you know to keep an ear out for that weather radio. You know, keep an eye on the sky, they say. So. Yeah. Um, now here where I'm at, I work for emergency management. When, they, when the weather service issues a watch, and all watches come from the National Weather Service Storm Prediction Center, that's located mm-hmm. at Norman, Oklahoma. And they're the ones that issue the watches. When we, our county, put in a watch, no matter what I'm doing, I go to the office. I have to go to the office and be there during that watch. Whether we have severe weather or not, I'm there. So a lot of places are doing that now. That way we can track. We know what's coming at us. We can give uh, local firemen, yep, or firefighters, law enforcement uh, updates to what what might be coming our way. So, I mean, I would also suggest people tune into the weather channel if they have one. That's another way you can get. Yeah, local media has your local radio on, and there you go. Yeah, local radios they have to read that alert. And most of the time when the, well, all the time on the radios, when the Weather Service activates that warning 
uh, alert system, it is read over the radio. I know a lot of people, they don't like to have the radio on, but it's just the way way to keep up. Uh, until the television channels get their act together and make it um, accessible, we'll always have the radios there. Robert, our local radio station reads that uh, alert every morning at a quarter after six. And most of the people that I know in this area, in our town, in the local area, and I know I, I don't even get out of bed until after I've heard it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, part of my job, I don't pay so much attention to winter weather because we get so much advance warning on that that if, if people should take notice of it and pay attention. But during the summer, you know, now through next November, storms can pop up anytime. You don't, you don't always get the advanced warning. I've had, I've been out in my yard working and watched a thunderstorm build. You can, they actually, you can see the clouds shooting up. And, you know, I've had a warning come out with the storm right on top of me, and I have to rush to get to the office. Anyone else have any questions? What about when you're traveling and you're in a town where something comes up? I actually remember being in a hotel once when I was traveling and I was in Kansas City and there was a tornado warning. Um, I know the hotels will call your room and, and tell you to come down to whatever area and stuff. And I just wonder if anybody had any suggestions about when you're traveling. There again, to get a portable weather radio. You would have to program it with uh, one of the eight different channels that they have for the weather service. I think it's eight. But that's one way. Know what, be prepared and look up the proper information before you go to that town. Have it in the radio. Anything that you can suggest is something else. I mean, besides the radio, anything else you can suggest if you. I, I mean, I'm guessing, again, you know, when you're traveling, you're going to have your medicines and stuff. You'll probably have pretty much your stuff close and ready to go if you have to carry something with you. But um, right. I was just trying to think if there's anything else to, to think about when you're traveling. Traveling does put a extra pressure on you, doesn't it? Um like you said, be prepared. Have you always have your web, or your uh, medications and stuff with you? So just have it available where you can grab and go if you have to get called. If they do call you down to the shelter areas, I guess the only other thing is just to make sure that somebody knows where you are when you're traveling. That's the important thing. Yeah. Yep. I don't know how many people. I believe it was in. The ACB convention in Columbus, and when we were in Hawaii, it's that Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> yep, they had a severe thunderstorm warning while we were there. Um, wow. Yeah, it was interesting, and it, they just basically just told everybody to stay in and stay away from windows. So I guess it's important to know when you check into a hotel or something. You know, since you know, since the uh, little sign on the door is not necessarily accessible, that you definitely go through with the staff there. Anything you need to know about evacuation and stuff from your right. room, and maybe make sure you request a room that makes it easy for you to evacuate and not have to go through a bunch of turns and twists in the hallways to get to the stairwell or whatever. Yeah, but even that can cause. Difficulties. Um, usually, I, I was at a hotel once and somebody pulled the fire alarm. Oh um, boy! <laughs> and it was amazing at how many guests. Everybody was helping everybody. Um, so that that's one thing too that, that I, I think will most generally happen is that. 
the, the people come together in an emergency and try to help, try to try to make sure everyone's safe. Yeah. My dog can always find out, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Any Anything else for anybody? Well, I have <laughs> point, Robert, we might want to talk on. You hear it on the radio all the time. Uh, a plan for your family. Uh, it's kind of hard for us. We live in Wyoming, and all of our kids and grandkids are on the West Coast. But in a big emergency, say if your family... You know, your immediate family lives in the same county or, you know, close enough within an hour or two. Have a plan where you know where you're all going to meet. Uh, make sure that you that you keep your cell phones charged up all the time so that you can communicate with each other and, you know, things like that so that at least you know where your loved ones are. One thing that people... It isn't so much you don't hear so much about it today that you, as you used to, but they're still around. The amateur radio people are are there to communicate. If if you get separated or you want to know something about a family member that that hey, I want them to know that I'm okay. Most generally, the emergency management have access to the ham radio group and they will help you get in contact so that you can get a message out to your family, letting them know that, hey, I'm okay, or I'm at such and such a location. Well, in New York, when the towers went down, amateur radio played a big part in that. And, and Katrina, especially Katrina, when that hit down there in, in Louisiana and the coast, if it wasn't for the amateur radio people, they wouldn't have had communications because the ham radio people were right there alongside law enforcement, responders, keeping everybody informed. So um, I don't know how many how many are amateur radio operators on here, but it, it's a good hobby to get into, and it, it, it's helpful to others in emergencies. The same happened last year when they had those major fires in Northern California where they're evacuating whole cities and and like that. Uh, the ham operators are pretty much invaluable when it comes to things like that. Yep, that's right. I, I'm a ham radio operator and have been for 34 years. So, And I, I know we used to do this. I worked in the woods, and, and uh, back in those days, we all had CB radios in our pickups and our logging trucks and stuff mm -hmm. like that. There were times when we'd have fires where we lived in the mountains where that was our way of communicating. And uh, it's just it's just what you get used to and, and, and who you know have, that has certain capabilities. And, uh, and I know uh, that it sounds goofy, but a CB radio uh, network really can come in handy. Yeah. Yep, CB, the FRS radios, um, yep. any kind of communication is good. I, I wanted to make the point that, you know, when when the lights go out and you have your your things that you to try to keep you together, there there are a lot of things in, in those um, packs that you can get uh, through through those stores that that carry you know three day or seven day packs. That there's uh, uh, things that are in similar containers, and you know when the lights go out, even with our low vision, we can't always tell what it what it is for sure. So it's important to put something tactile, so that you know that that this is food to eat, and this is for something else. Don't don't try to eat something that you shouldn't be trying to eat. <laughs> yep, have your stuff and well labeled. Yeah, in your medication, you need to, you know, if, if you usually look at the bottle to see which bottle that is, it needs to have something tactile on it so that you can figure it out when, when you can't really look at it. Okay, well, here's a question for you. What are some websites you suggest people go to to get weather alerts? You can go to National Weather Service, weather.gov, 
Um, that, like I say, any time of weather warning or anything is issued, they are the ones, they, they are the issuers. Local radio stations, local TV stations cannot do that. That, that comes from the federal government weather service. Are there any apps you suggest people get for those who have smartphones? There are several out there, and because it's a federal government thing, they can't endorse any any of the weather apps, but there are some very good stuff that, that apps that are out there. Um, myself, I don't use them because I sit in an office surrounded with all kinds of stuff. I know more stuff than... <laughs> Well, that's a good thing. Well, sometimes it's over overwhelming. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah. I, when, all right, I, I've been in emergency management for, oh, volunteering. I started in 1986. I've been working yeah. Yeah. with emergency management in emergency management since 2000. Um, so I've got lots of lots of different training, mm-hmm. hazardous materials, um, all kinds of uh, FEMA courses, and all kinds of stuff that that benefit the preparedness stuff. One thing that that you know, when disasters happen, people come together; they want to help. But there's also those people out there that that are there to make make a buck, whether it's legitimately, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. talking about there, don't you, Tom? <laughs> There's always somebody that'll serve that. If you have it, they want it. Well, yeah, and there's where we live, <laughs> we're, we're pretty rural, and we're pretty, we've got a pretty good redneck community, if you will. And uh, there are ways to keep people from stealing your food. We'll just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in in 2008, with our big storms, I mean, with the big floods, we had big tents set up with tables and chairs and stuff, and we were serving people food. And um, FEMA comes in. They're taking part in all this, and... Seven o'clock comes around, and people are walking away, leaving, and the guy says, well, you need help taking this stuff down? And we say, no, we just leave it up here. And he says, what? Where I come from, if you turn your back at this time and turn around, it would be gone. (laughs) No, we we take care of ourselves here. So... (laughs) Well, yeah. you're talking about it being in rural areas. Uh, one one year when I was at the uh, 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 American uh, Blind Bowling Association tournament, which had 1,200 people there, a lot of blind people, as you can tell, and the fire alarm went off, you know, you don't have a lot of sighted people that can see what's going on and to, and to help. So you really have to be very independent about knowing what to do and, and, and where to do it. That's right. Yep. Just be aware of your surroundings. Know what's going on. Ask questions. You know, hey, where's your fire exit? Or uh, well, any other questions? Something else to add. I don't know how it is back east in the eastern states, but... A lot of the counties out here in the western states uh, have search and rescue uh, mm-hmm. organizations, and uh, they're, they're all volunteers, and they're all trained in, in uh, medical uh, uh, skills, and also they've got the right equipment to do the searching and rescuing that they need to do, and it's pretty handy to know who those people are. I know they're pretty well connected with local sheriff's departments and things like that, because a lot of times they get their marching orders from the sheriff's department. But it's also good to know that if you've got one of those individuals in your neighborhood or down down the road a couple miles, to kind of know who these people are. 
and uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it it just comes down to you know communicating and connectivity, and so it kind of comes under the larger umbrella of just knowing your surroundings and, and know what's going on around you all the time. So that's one thing. Training, yeah. I, training. I've had that uh, search and rescue training. In order to do the job that I do, it's just amazing at how much time you spend at training. Anybody that knows me, they hey, when can I talk to you? Well, I'm in training now, or I'm in a class, or... <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a lot to it. So those people out there who are, who are doing this, they put a lot of time, a lot of their own energy into it to do it to help out people. Like in our area, because we're we're very rural in the mountains in Wyoming. Uh, like uh, when I used to live in Utah, uh, they had a sheriff's jeep jeep patrol, search and rescue unit with volunteers with you know four wheel rigs that could go just about anywhere they wanted to go. Well, there's places where four wheel don't get you, and so in our area, mm-hmm. we have units attached to the sheriff's department that get there by horseback. So. Mm. And they're all trained, they're all used to being in the mountains with mules or horses, whatever it takes, and they're they're usually using GPS navigational systems, and so once they do actually find somebody or have to respond to an emergency, they can usually call a helicopter in really quick after they know where to send a helicopter. Right. Yep. Okay, are there any other questions before we wrap up? It's definitely a good topic to cover, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just remember, you are responsible for yourself. Make sure you are prepared. I have one more point to bring up if we've got time. All right. It's, we haven't touched on it, but if you know you're going to have to leave your house besides a go bag and things like that, I know we keep all of our important papers in a little, it's like an 18-inch, uh, cube. It's a fire, you know, a fireproof safe, if you will. Mm-hmm. And might be a good idea if you've got all your papers in one spot. Make sure you take them with you. Yeah, don't forget them. It's uh, you may not ever get back to your house, you know, and and so that way you've got all that info, all your insurance policies, and and uh, your mortgage papers, and all your car. Uh, registrations and all that important stuff, you know, that you keep. Birth certificates, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The originals. <laughs> yeah. Make yeah. sure you have your extra battery chargers and batteries and everything with you also. Yeah. yeah. And all your phone chargers, too, because once, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh. All right. Well, anybody have any questions, you can email me, webmaster at cclvi.org. Anybody have any questions, just let me know. Be glad to answer them. Good night now.